You are listening to the Lima Community Church Podcast. The following was recorded at Lima Community Church of the Nazarene in Lima, Ohio. By 19 years old, Henry had reached the profession of being a professor. 19 years old, professor. By the age of 22, Henry was already writing his own textbooks. 22 years old, writing his own textbooks. By 27, he's one of the most respected scholars in the world, teaching at Harvard. I mean, you talk about someone finding what they're good at and doing it and uh, it working for them. That was Henry. In his personal life, things were going great. Him and his wife had, had uh, started having kids. They had gotten to five kids, five kids, and everything was great. His writing was taking off. He was writing other stuff, and uh, he was actually considered one of the, the greatest writers of the, the new world at, at that time. Um, he was uh, famous, and with that also came uh, means he was wealthy. Henry, at 27, has already lived into what would be considered uh, a blessed and full life by most people. But then the year 1861 came, and Henry experienced tragedy uh, that very few of us ever experience. There was a fire, and his wife dies. He's severely burned. He's now a single parent of five kids, also dealing with his own physical issues. And obviously, it would, it would make sense that he would deal with an extended period of, of severe depression. At that time, 1861, most of you remember there was a little something going on in our country called the Civil War. And one of his kids, a boy, had decided he wanted to, to fight. And he joined, and he fought, and he was, he was injured severely. So much so that he had to come home, and Henry was now taking care of an injured son, a single parent. And everything that he had done and had been good at is put on hold. And it was Christmas Day, 1863, in the middle of a country ravaged by war and a personal life that has been turned upside down, that Henry went to his desk and looked out the window, and he began to write. You can understand his frame of mind, can you not? He began to write these words. In despair, I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong, and it mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. Henry Wadsworth Longfellow was experiencing what is very common for us to, to experience. The story of Advent, the advent of Jesus Christ, the coming into our world, the incarnation, was carried on the words of this dominant theme, peace on earth. 
at the middle of this story on the, uh, what we sing so poetically about a silent night. Shepherds are the dregs of society. God chooses to appear to them in this miraculous way with this host of angels. And they sing, and the words they sing are this. Remember Luke 2, 14. Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Peace on earth. I mean, you see this everywhere, right? It's on plaques that we hang. It's in our yards. We put it out. Peace on earth. It's, it doesn't even cause you a second thought to see those words somewhere, maybe even when you're headed home today. It's one of the themes of the season and yet, like Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, oftentimes we can begin to think, is this some kind of cruel joke? Uh, the, the theme of the season is peace on earth, but have you seen my life? Have you seen the world we live in? What is going on? Is this a joke? Is this just something that we, we just only can imagine in the future? Is this reality now? You know, in this season of Advent, as we consider words and themes of hope, peace, love, joy, we know that Advent is actually a time to look back at what God has done so we can look forward to what God is doing. You know, we're still in the middle of the story that God is writing. Did you know that? Did you know Revelation chapter 22 is not the, it, we're actually a part of this unfolding story of God. And as we celebrate his first coming to earth, we anticipate his coming again in glory. His first coming is an event in a series of events that form the plan of God that we're still realizing. It's actually in the nativity story that it actually gives us clues into the nature of how God acts and works and comes into our world. So many details of the story are telling us so much. And yet at the heart of this story is the song of the angels that God has come into our world and he is going to bring peace. And you and I are both like, hmm. Have you turned on cable news lately? Have you opened your browser? Have you clicked on the app? I can tell you if you do that right now, the headlines are going to include words like Gaza, Hamas, Ukraine. And that's what it's, it's always that way, isn't it? This is 2023, but 2016, it was a different cast of characters. 2011, it was a different story, but peace on earth? I mean, think about the world that we live in. Think about your own personal lives, the, the worry and the hurry and the crowds. And I got to be honest, man, even the conveniences of our world are, are robbing me of peace or trying to take my peace, it seems like. I mean, Amazon is incredible. And I can type in a few words and have, but the problem is I have 60 options. And it robs me of my peace trying to figure out what the right one is, right? I mean, even more choices, more opportunities 
are creating unrest, and there's a loss of privacy, there's pluralism, there's fear of the future, and peace on earth. Peace is commonly defined in our culture as this, a sense of calm and tranquility. I just, I just need some peace, right? Bliss, contentment. Honestly, a lot of times we think of peace in this way in our world is the absence of trouble. And we run around frantically just trying to keep the peace, don't we? You guys know what I'm talking about, right? We're all about ready to head into Christmas season. And um, <laughs> keeping the peace takes on a whole new meaning, right? When, you, uh, when you're getting together with your family sometimes. And I know some of those conversations in the car... Don't bring up that topic. <laughs> Whatever you do, don't bring that up. And honestly, keeping the peace is like right, it's at home, all right, in our families. And we laugh about that, but that's the reality. The dictionary talks about peace and, a, and external or internal hassles are removed. You know, We've tried to be faithful to the texts of Scripture, especially over this last year and, and before uh, that was the case here. And so you're very well informed that this word peace is a very loaded word in Scripture, is it not? It, it, if you think peace in the English is, is just absence of trouble and, um, you know, just there's not fighting going on, then it's like the English word is like that big and the biblical word is like this. It's so rich and meaningful. And it's in the Hebrew, it's called shalom. The New Testament takes the, the content of that and imports it into other words that help us understand that peace is a very powerful part of what God intends for this world. And it's not just don't fight, avoid conflict. It's not like a game of whack-a-mole where you're just trying to keep all the problems down. And, man, if everything's down, then we've got some kind of, for a minute. It's a very, very immature understanding of what the Bible is talking about when it talks about peace. The longing for God's shalom, it does include uh, peace in the sense of inner peace, spiritual peace, but it is much bigger and broader. It's this wholeness and completeness throughout creation. To be at peace in our world would to see our world in the injustices that are, exist in our world. Someone who's on the wrong side of an injustice today, how hard is it for them to live at peace? This word peace, it means that it would be a world where the people who are rich and have would not no longer would no longer devour and mistreat those who don't have. It would mean that the brokenness that exists in our world would begin to be set right and healed. Think about what happens when you break a bone. It's important that that you go and have it set, right? So that it can heal right and in fact, and I'm not a doctor, I just stayed at a Holiday Inn Express last night, but some of you get that joke. You remember those, those commercials from like eight years ago, but um, uh, yeah, you guys appreciate that, yeah. Like, 
you know, to set it right, and then when, like, actually our bones are amazing. They grow back really strong, but it's got to be set right. And peace is taking the brokenness and setting it right so that it can heal right. That's this kind of, it's a deep and broad, it's embracing all of creation kind of word. Romans would remind us that this world is groaning. The world itself, creation itself, plants, animals, creation is groaning, longing for this place to be made right, to be made whole, to be made complete again. This is what's loaded in that word of God's shalom or peace. And as the story of Scripture unfolds, God is all the time cluing us in to what can be, and it begins to awaken our hearts to long for that to exist in our own lives. For the Jewish people, the hope of peace or shalom was wrapped up in a person. They had read, they had heard the prophets talk about that. Someone is coming that will open the door to peace. Uh, Isaiah, as was read this morning, that the promised Messiah would be called the Prince of Peace and that of his government and peace there will be no end. It's an amazing thing when you think about when Isaiah was writing this and when the angels came into the world, that peace that existed in the world was completely uh, superficial. It was all by force and it really didn't exist. There was so much unrest in that world and yet there is a promise of one who's going to come and stop that. And guess what? Thousands of years later, our world uh, still wrestles with so much unrest and division and strife and wars and rumors of war and yet the the words of the angels that were sung is the one who's coming into the world is going to bring peace. It's this kind of peace that is, um, well, let me just share this with you. It's, it's this peace of wholeness throughout creation. It's, it's this, I want peace. God is desiring peace for his people that you personally are healthy. Uh, you're emotionally and mentally whole. You're experiencing that wholeness. It's, it's a peace that carries with it a harmony in relationship. It's wholeness. It's harmony. It's a peace where there is a success and fulfillment of purpose. Part of peace is you were made by God. He has a design. There is something he's created you to do. And there comes this peace when you finally come into alignment with how you were made and you begin to live it out. There is such a peace that exists, right? Amen? Like when you find your purpose, you're like, wow, this is what I was meant to do. And there's, that's the kind of peace this word holds. There's this peace, though, also of a sense of victory over your enemies. All throughout the Old Testament, the peace or the shalom of God is helping his people overcome through difficulty, through enemies that they face. And, and it's the promise that whatever enemies that we face, and they might not be quite like the people of God in the Old Testament, but they will be the enemies of, of evil and dysfunction and brokenness and sin and all these things that actually God is promising that the peace on earth is going to overcome those things. You see, peace is not simply the absence of trouble. It is the hope that you may have the highest good coming your way. You say, Chip, that's really beautiful, but how does that happen? And it seems like 
somebody missed the memo. And it seems like just like in that first century when angels are singing to shepherds and you would think that the whole world would notice, most of the world just went on by without noticing, didn't they? It seems like the peace on earth that was promised through that one was missed in that day and it's still being missed. And how does this work? What is going on? And what can, how can I really experience peace on earth? And I just want to dive in a little bit to what scripture is promising us this phrase peace on earth means. It's Christ that comes into the world to activate this peace. And so I want to do this today with just three prepositions. Did you go to school? Remember prepositions? Does that give you a bad, a bad memory, right? Prepositional phrases. Prep, like some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like I, I've been amused this, this week spending time reading misplaced prepositional phrases. It's fun, right? I mean, listen to this. I mean, we sat at the table and talked about our fishing trip in the kitchen. What? Was the fishing trip in the kitchen? Or were you talking? You see what I mean? The rancher lassoed the steer in a cowboy hat. The steer had a cowboy hat on it. It's misplaced prepositional phrases, right? You do this. It's, uh, I've done this before. The painting caught my eye on the wall. Don't get that close to the painting next time. Right? It's going to be fun. Prepositions. You know, the, the prepositions you were taught early on. And so I just want to share three of them today in relation to what it looks like to experience peace on earth. The first one I would remind you of is that the scriptures promise peace with, peace with God. Peace with God. To grab a hold of what it means to experience peace on earth is to first of all understand what it is to have peace with God. Romans 12, 5, or 12, 5, 5, 1, therefore, since we've been justified, since we've been made right with God, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The plan of God for your life and my life is for us to come into relationship with God where there's an end of hostility between Myself and God. Now, I'm going to burst your bubble for a minute, okay? So hang on. And some of you might have to, like, take a deep breath because the narrative of our contemporary secular world is this. Man is, you know, man's basically good. You just got to find the good, I guess it's easy to believe that too, right? I mean, I'm holding my little baby and I'm like, this is goodness. Like, this is beautiful. This is goodness personified, right? And then they turned two years old. And I realized, oh my goodness. It's the story of mankind. We are not good. The story of scripture is we are fallen. And because we are fallen, there is no one righteous, no, not one. 
all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All we like sheep, all have turned to our own way. We're not good. And to find peace in this world is to first of all acknowledge that you're not going to find goodness in your heart and life. Like, you're not good. Okay? You've been taught good things. You maybe adopted good behaviors. And thank God for good training and good, right? There's vestiges of God's grace all over this world. His provenient, uh, his common grace. But essentially, you and I have all have this posture toward God like this. That's what Scripture says. We are at enmity with God. And so to live at peace, to have peace on this earth, and to be fighting with God never makes sense, does it? The call of Scripture is, hey, the peace on earth that Jesus is wanting to create, and this is a little phrase I've been saying to myself this week, peace on earth begins with peace in me, all right? Peace on earth begins with peace in me, and peace in me starts with coming to peace, to this reality of peace with God, where what we understand the scriptures say is that I have been like this, I want to do my thing, my way, my dream, my deal, and yet I realize that that ain't going to go very far and that actually God did something about that because every time I'm pursuing my thing, I'm just getting buried in my brokenness and my dysfunction. I'm so lost, and yet Christ comes having done what he did on the cross and providing a way for us to be justified before God that we can turn uh, that's the idea of repentance, that peace starts with me willing to forsake, whew, this is fun, forsake myself and follow Jesus. Amen? It's important for us to remember today. And maybe, maybe the reason why you are robbed of peace is you're still wrestling with the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. Have you thought about the words Jesus' name, Jesus Christ, Jesus, the son of man who dies for Christ, the Lord, the one who is Lord over all. And to be Jesus' follower means that I have adopted, I've accepted the lordship of Jesus Christ in my life. And what the scriptures teach is that the only way to begin to experience peace is to just settle that. All right, I get it. Listen to what Colossians says. For God was pleased to have in Christ his fullness dwell. And through Christ, he reconciled to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making what? Peace through his blood shed on the cross. The whole purpose of God on the cross is to bring peace into our life, and that is through the reconciliation of our sins being forgiven. Are you following me? Okay. Peace on earth is reconciliation. Peace with but the Bible continues to talk about peace in an even greater way. It talks about the peace of God. Are you following the prepositions with, of? Some of you are like, I don't know what a preposition is. 
Listen to Paul would talk about this. This is other places. Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Paul says it this way. Don't be anxious, but in everything with prayer, petition, thanksgiving. Um, you know, Brad and Carrie did a great job breaking down some of the aspects of that a couple weeks ago. Uh, present your request to God and the peace of God. So the Bible talks about peace with God, but it also talks about the peace of God, right? And it's this peace that transcends all understanding. Like it's peace that's not circumstantial in nature. It's like, wow, you can have peace even when things are not good. I would remind you that Henry Wadsworth Longfellow wrote, In despair I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth. But he continued to write. And he continued to write words like, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, they're, you know, they're all, uh, I, gotta, I, I don't know the song. You're going to make me memorize it now. Uh, like, he writes and came to the reality that, guess what? Even in the middle of my terrible circumstances, I am experiencing, the more I think about it, the peace that transcends all understanding. This is what is promised to us in Scripture. It's this settled peace that affects everything about my heart. It's so aggressive that instead of being victimized by events, it attacks these events. It's an aggressive peace that refuses to allow myself to fall prey and victim to what is going on around me. But because I now have peace with God, the Holy Spirit is in my life, I begin to experience the peace of God. And that even when things are not good, I still am cognizant of the fact I'm a child of God and I am at peace with everything else. Okay? Peace of God. This is where probably most of us I'm speaking to to, to today live. <laughs> you know, anxiety comes from what? Uh, the fear of the future, uh, conflict in the present, regret over the past. Um, it's... Anxiety is characterized by an uneasiness, an apprehension, a dread, a concern, a tension, a restlessness, a worry. Uh, we often anticipate misfortune or danger or doom. Anxiety, it, it, it's an uncertainty, it's, it's an unrest. In fact, the, the word for anxiety in the Greek is a divided mind. And in one of the languages in our world today, the, the picture of the word anxiety is a picture of being strangled. In other words, circumstances are strangling, choking the very life out of you. And actually, the promise of the word of God says, listen, peace can exist in a way that your circumstances do not have to drown now, he promises this peace, the peace of God. What I think is interesting is he, he keeps writing and he says, listen, I want you to understand that you can have this peace and you can have this peace on a daily basis. Now, I want you to realize that I'm going to offer this peace and my peace is there through the power of the indwelling spirit in your life. But you have to cooperate also. You have to uh, open your mind because remember what he says in verse 8. 
brothers and sisters, think about what is true, noble, right, purely, lovely, admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think or dwell on such things. He's saying, listen, this peace is available to you, but you need to cooperate and allow yourself to uh, take a hold of your thoughts. This is where we live so often. Did you know you're a product of your thought life? As a man thinks in his, our emotions flow from our thought life. I would say this, that what we allow to enter our mind is the most important decision we make each and every day. He's saying, peace on earth comes when you're at peace with me. All right, I'm done doing my own thing. I see that that's futile. It's a wreck. I just want to follow the Lord. You're Lord of my life. I'm at peace with you. Um, And then you've promised that in that, I have your peace, the peace of God. And yet, so often I find that, wow, you promised this, and every day I get up and it's the same things. And he's saying, listen, grab a hold of your thoughts. It goes like this. Negative thinking will create fearful emotions that will create ungodly behaviors that end up making devastating He's calling us to a positive thinking that creates peaceful emotions that results in godly behavior and fruitful consequences. It's why Isaiah would say this, you keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Peace on earth, what does that mean? Peace on earth is reconciliation, peace with God. Peace on earth is confidence, the peace of God. And so as that begins to work in my life, God's not done with what he wants to do with peace. Because it's this last word that he wants to bring the peace from God. Through your life into this world. That when I'm at peace with him and I'm, I am experiencing the peace of him, that naturally the natural flow out of that is I bring the peace from God into this world. Jesus said this in the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers. Peacemaker or peacekeeper? Are you a peacemaker or are you a peacekeeper? Like, you know, like uh, I, for instance, like they laughed at me for service, but I, I said, you know, the UN, the UN is a group of peacekeepers, right? And obviously we, we see that a lot of times the UN doesn't do anything for peace because they're trying to be peacekeepers, Jesus said the only way for peace to really work in this world is to be a peacemaker, not a peacekeeper. Peacemakers are those who go beyond just the absence of trouble, but they go to the place of reconciliation. And they begin to do aggressive things to make everything right. The psalmist said that righteousness and peace kiss each other. Like, there's no peace without righteousness. 
It just doesn't exist. And I would remind you that God is calling us to be at peace with him, to have his peace, and out of that, to then be deployed into this world as he was deployed to bring the peace from God. Martin Luther King would say this, true peace is not merely the absence of tension. It is the presence of justice. Peace on earth is proactive. It's proactive. It's reconciliation. This is what it looks like. What does peace on earth look like? Reconciliation. Confidence. And it's proactive. And what this world is longing for is peace, wholeness, this deep peace. And yet that peace on earth begins individually with each one of us. Peace on earth begins with peace in me. And I experience that when I come to peace with God. I wonder today maybe if part of the reason why you are restless and not at peace is because you've never really come to a place where you've been willing to say, you know what, Jesus, will you just be Lord of my life? I'm tired of wrestling. I'm tired of trying to keep control. I'm tired of trying to hang on to this and that. I just, I just want you to be Lord. I'm all yours. That's where peace begins. If peace on earth is ever going to happen in the way it was meant to be, it starts with each one of us coming to a place of peace with God. God, I'm yours. I'm completely reconciled to who you are and who I am. You're Lord and I'm not. Give me the same attitude that Christ had when he was in the garden and he said, not my will, but thy will, Father, be done. Maybe today I'm talking to someone who, when we talk about peace, you look at the world around, but you look at your own life and you're like... There's no peace. Well, maybe it's just it's because you've not come to a place of surrender. You're not coming to peace with God. Maybe today is the day that you begin to make a step in that direction. Probably for most of us today, the peace of God is the place when I've talked, you've been like, yeah. I feel like I that leaks in my life all the time. I feel like anxiety and worry and fear. It's hard to bring peace on earth when you live in those ways, doesn't it? Maybe today, December 10th, two weeks before we celebrate, maybe you just need to set the tone for the whole season. Say, Lord, I want to live with that kind of peace that Isaiah talked about, that it exists because my mind is steadfast. And I realize that you've promised peace in my life, and I'm just going to cooperate with you today and, and allow you to help me live at a place where I trust you with every circumstance. I trust you with every detail. I trust you with 
what I need to do here, what you're going to do with that person there, or I'm going to handle this, or I'm going to trust that you are going to guide me, that I don't have to figure it out all on my own. I don't have to have all the strength. I don't have to have all this, but I can trust you that you will resource me in every way as I need your grace and help. Do we believe that as children of God, that God has promised that to us? Can we live at that place and in that just experience the peace of God? Or maybe today you just need to be reminded that really peace on earth is, it's calling for us to actively participate in looking around your own circle of influence and being willing to fight against the injustices the inequality, the unfairnesses that exist, to fight against the relational dysfunctions, to be willing to say, you know what? Peace is never going to exist until we set things right. And I'm willing to be used by God to be active to try to make things right. I'm willing to be a, a solution to the problem. I'm not just going to be passive with peace. Peace on earth, just try to keep the peace. But I'm going to look around my sphere of influence and say, you know what? The promise of Jesus is he's bringing peace onto this earth. It's coming. It's coming in major ways. And it's available now. And I actually want to be someone who proactively is a peacemaker. Actually, this season reminds you that as the angels declared who Jesus was... I want to be about that also. And I want to bring peace to my part of the earth. And so my ask of you today is Wes and Megan are going to sing a beautiful song. I just want you to sit. I want you to reflect. I'm asking you to close your eyes and allow this song to speak to you. I think we need this moment in this season. If peace on earth is the cry of the angels, come on, you guys know that peace on earth is like, seems like it's distant. And yet, how can that be reality? How can I have peace with God, the peace of God, and be a part of bringing the peace from God? Maybe the Holy Spirit just needs to, to have a few moments as you reflect to speak into your heart and life. Would you do that this morning? Would you just listen as they sing? Would you lift your heart up to the Lord in prayer?
Father, peace on earth begins with peace in me. Our world is desperately, desperately longing to experience this peace that you've promised. And Father, we are exhibit A. Help us, Lord, to live at peace with you, to experience the peace of you, and to carry the peace from you. Lord, you promised to provide all of these things. You came for this reason. And in this season, Lord, may we embrace fully our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
and allow the one that is peace to cause us to have peace. Pray these things in the strong name of Jesus. All God's people said, amen. Go and be blessed. Thank you for listening. For more information about our church, visit limacommunitychurch.com.